Good morning, LBC Radio. This is Corey Rosen, your host with The Story. Here with me today, I have Noah Altoff. Oh, let me start the live stream real quick. All right, there we go. There we go. <laughs> we got our faces staring back at us. It's a good sign. Yep. If you have no idea what's going on, hello, my name is Corey Rosen. I am the host of the new podcast, The Story, here on LBC Radio. Today with me, I have Noah Altoff. Noah Altoff is, is a pop mixer and co-producer born and raised in Harrisburg, PA. Now based in Lancaster, he works remotely with artists to, from around the world to help them tell their stories through music and create records to capture their own unique artistic identity. Noah has worked with artists like American Idol performer Marna Michelle, The Breaking The Break Plans, MRIK, and MTV featured band Down North. Noah performs in the band John Garcia and The Hopeless Romantics, as well as serving as a session guitarist and gigging musician for other local artists in the Lancaster and the Lancaster community. Noah, how are you today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me here. This is episode one, right? This is episode one, our beginning. first ever guest on the story. Nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to go but <laughs> up. That is absolutely correct. So, what inspired you to do music? I think I was probably 13 when I first started really hearing music for the first time because it was always running in the background in my life. And I grew up in a family that was relatively musical I mean I I started taking piano lessons when I was probably seven you know absolutely hated it but I was I was doing it <laughs> and um my my dad was always involved in, in church music at our local church and so it was always kind of around me but I think it was probably when I was you know 12 13 14 I started really listening to it for the first time and felt it you know having a meaningful impact in my life and that's kind of when I started picking up a guitar and messing around and kind of finding my own voice with it right yeah. So Pretty, like I feel like that's everybody's journey a little bit, right? You right. kind of have that. And for me it was um uh, five score and seven years ago. That's what it was called. It was a Reliant K album that just sold me on music and then from there it was just couldn't <laughs> couldn't put it down. That's cool. So you picked yeah. up a guitar and had guitar lessons, right? Uh <clears throat> self taught, but yeah. Self taught, okay. Yeah. YouTube. YouTube yes, YouTube <laughs> are the best lessons. Um <clears throat> So when did you decide that music is one what you wanted to do for a career? Well, I think I kind of had this experience that a lot of creatives have when you you latch onto a medium, you, you latch onto an art forum or, or a certain kind of work, and it just viscerally speaks to you so much that you can't imagine not doing it every day, and you fill up every second of your life doing it, even when there's no time to do it. And that was kind of my experience, like when I got to high school and I really got more serious about playing guitar and I started playing with other friends and writing songs and I just felt like I couldn't put it down. Like I, I just couldn't stop. And so I, I don't really know that there was a moment when I was like, this is what I have to do. It was more just like I couldn't imagine not doing it. And I was always chasing down. Now, how do I make this a reality? Like, how do I have an excuse to hold, you know, to play my guitar all day and not have to go and, and you know, make coffee? Or something like right. that, you know. That is the question. What is my excuse to do this for a living? What do? <laughs> how do I? How do I get there? Yeah. What's um, my angle? Right. What's your <laughs> angle? Um. So another question then. Uh. What was your writing your first song like? Oh gosh. Do you think it was any good, or do you do you think it was probably terrible? 
it was definitely everybody's first song is terrible right that's fair like um because it's a process it's a journey of, of self-discovery in that uh, I, I don't even remember what the first song i wrote was anymore but i think that i i remembered the feeling of looking at the page after i'd finished the lyrics and just thinking like wow i made that and it wasn't because i thought it was that great but it was just like i felt like i was engaging with the thing that had inspired me and then now i was participating in it you know mm -hmm. like it, it wasn't just me playing other people's music now i'm the one creating the music and it, it kind of felt like i am involved in this thing that's bigger than me and that was an exciting feeling you know being able to share that with other people it's interesting i definitely remember my first song my first song i wrote i was uh working at the fizz plant here at lbc and uh i think it was a chapel service that had happened. Uh, we have chapel here every Tuesday, Thursday, and Wednesday. Yeah, that's <laughs> said that's out of order, but that's correct. Um, and I, it was something, something about Jesus, obviously, and like standing forth and standing uh, strong in your faith. So I had written uh, one of the most rather confusing melodious, melodious songs that I think <laughs> I've written to date, uh, but I enjoyed it. That's awesome. So songwriting is kind of a, a newer venture for you in that way then. You were a student when you first started? Yes, or? I was a student when awesome. I first started. Um, uh, yeah, I never really, I guess I, well, that's maybe, maybe that wasn't my first. That was like the first song I actually completed to full. I guess the first song I wrote was uh, a chorus. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was about it. Uh, I couldn't think past much past there. But I've been playing piano um, uh, ever since I was, I was, I was there was a piano in my mother's room, and I was like, "Ding, ding, a donk," and my mother was like, "That's great, honey. Let's get you some lessons." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need some help. You need some. You need a little <laughs> bit of help there. Uh, yeah. So, I'll, but I've been playing uh, percussion, marching. I did marching band for the longest time. I have cast of steel, and then uh, <laughs> right, and then I just wanted to get That's out great. of where I was living, and uh, I moved up to here to Lancaster, Lancaster Bible Bible College, to hit my music music composition degree didn't actually write any music until i like legitimately came up here so that was like a shot in the dark for me at least yeah what was the um see now i'm interviewing you just because i'm curious <laughs> <laughs> but um because we met at school here uh, right. freshman year and so I, I never got to hear the backstory on that that's really cool so you switched to a composition major or you started as a composition i started major. as a funny story about that uh the college kind of messed up a little bit um they they had assigned me as a percussion major okay um but i had tried out as a composition major okay so thankfully the classes are so similar that it doesn't really matter yeah especially in like the first few years so it was fine yeah but yeah i i did come here as a grad as a not a graduation but as a composition major. Okay. That's interesting then. So you came here as a composition major before you had ever like really dived deep into that world. That's right. Personally. That's awesome. But I've loved music ever since, you know, I've been involved. I've been in choir. I've done, uh, I was in a Baltimore children's choir when okay. I was a kid. Awesome. Um, and I've done so many other things. I acapella, whatever. I was Shrek and Shrek the musical as a high school kid. And uh, so I just wanted, like, you know, I, I like music. This is cool. I want to do something with it. Yeah. So I just decided, you know what? The, the way I found Lancaster Bible, Bible College is actually a really interesting story. Um, so my youth group okay. pastor was like, there's this college fair at this random college, uh, Salisbury Christian University, Salisbury Christian High School. And uh, I was like, I guess I got to go to college. That's <laughs> something I should do. 
Um, so I went over there, and there's there's you know Cairn, there's uh, all these other different colleges, and Lancaster Bible is there. I'm like, okay, I'll just see what the, whatever they got. And there was you know, a lot of LBC students have this story where they're like the nicest people in the world, and it is <laughs> literally true. Like they they like really open armed, like bring you in, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I that's where I decided to go, and that's how just that random little event that like. By the way, I heard this from a friend that this is a college event happening at this Christian school. Otherwise, I would have never That's came. That's awesome. Yeah. So what was your um, like, song or album that like started it off for you? It was the Reliant K one for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, That's a good question. Uh, So I don't know what – I don't really think I have like an album or like a specific song that like kick-started my love for music. I definitely think though that I know the influences. I'm heavily influenced by Elton John. Okay. Uh, heavily influenced by Queen. Um, heavily influenced by that kind of genre of like 60s, 70s, even like even the 80s music. Yeah. I'm I've never. I, I'm kind of a fan of music today, but I'm never really considered myself to be <laughs> like a fan of music yeah. today. Um, I've been rather old in that in that kind of way. No, there's a there's a really cool purity to the music of that era because For there real. was a spontaneity to it and kind of a, a certain there there was the artist had a different relationship with the performance and the recording studio then. Yeah. Um, and, and not necessarily a better or worse one, just a different one. So the, the music that came out of that era just has a, a very unique quality to it. I'm yeah. a big fan of that too. When I um you know, I I got into music with you know Reliant K and punk and and rock, but then mid high school I just fell in love with seventies folk singer songwriters James Taylor, Jim Croce, mm. all of that Elvis, um, and and sort of that whole scene. So I I get it. I'm right there with you. Right. It's 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 very interesting that you mentioned that how it's a complete it was a completely different scene because back then, not to say that there aren't trailblazers today, but back then for sure it was like a much simplified scene of music there were there was basically back then it was like only rock and roll and then you had the blues and then there was just all of this inspiration coming from uh you know there's jazz involved as well that just trailblaze like bohemian rhapsody for example that sure never been done uh in the almost perfect way <laughs> that it's been done um Tiny Dancer, another revolutionary song where there's two full verses before the chorus. Yeah. Stuff that's never been done before and uh and it's really really good. Breaking breaking the rules. Breaking was the rules. kind of the like MO there and I think there's something really cool about that. There really it truly. So, we've talked about our music influences. How does one be loving music and then going into creating music how does one find you're a co-producer right mm -hmm. yeah how do you market yourself as a co-producer and then find clients based on that oh interesting so can i say a little bit about what that means first and sure kind of, yeah sure so when i first um you know i started recording music just because i was writing songs and i didn't have anybody else to do it so i had an eight track mm -hmm. recorder and no band and so i would sit for hours and just try to learn instruments so I could write parts to play on my own music. And um, I, f I fell in love with the, the process of just the puzzle that it was, like the way that each 
component of a song kind of uniquely fits together to create an experience that can people can get wrapped up in this emotion or this feeling that the music is supposed to communicate and you can get lost in that universe a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I, I fell in love with the the process of discovery that was involved there of like, here's how we're crafting something and every single time it's just radically different because every song is different and then when you start working with other artists then you have their vision and being able to interpret that and then studying their influences and figuring out how to incorporate those into somebody else's music and so it started as a a process of me just kind of wanting to make my own music but I realized really early on um, and it's been consistent since then that I, I just would rather work on other people's music because I love coming in and, and being able to help them take a, a concept that they have and turn it, it, flesh out the vision of it, what it actually means for that thing that's in their head to come out of their headphones. And then to communicate that in a way that it meets other people in that vulnerable place that it was you know, written in. And so I've, I've really come to love that process of discovery, you know, working with other artists. And for a while, my main focus with that was full-on production. And I still do a lot of that, but I've sort of re- uh, rebranded, I guess you could say myself, primarily as a as a mixer and a co-producer, because I love being able to do that process with artists that understand just a little bit about the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of that's too just because of the nature of the work that I do, because I primarily do remote one-line work. And so, you know, I'm working, I'm producing, mixing for artists over Zoom calls, and they're in Greece or in India or California or wherever. And so there's sort of like a a necessary amount of knowledge that they need to have about the process, um, right. you know, sort of the fundamentals of home studio recording, because some of them will go to studios to do their part, but a lot of them have setups in their bedroom and we're just making music together that way. And so the emphasis of the, the co-production is sort of how can I come alongside you and your own process that you've already be, been sculpting and developing for yourself. And instead of kind of commandeering that, instead of taking over that and saying, well, here's how we're going to do it now because I'm producing, it's more like, how can I just be a very specific puzzle piece in a process that you're already creating to help you realize your vision for this music, to communicate all it's meant to say, but but in a way that doesn't invade your creative flow, but just kind of comes alongside it in whatever unique way that you personally need me to. And so the emphasis with co-production there is that, where it's sort of just how can I, how can I help you make the art that's going to mean the most to you and mean the most to the people around you? That's deep. <laughs> I like I like deep existential questions. That's like my entire uh, the structure of what I do oh, is just based around it. deep, long conversations with people because it's art. It's their baby. Right. You know, this is like you're dealing with people's like deepest emotions and fears and vulnerabilities, and they're putting them out into the world for anybody to hear and to, you know, maybe judge them for better or for worse, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this this incredible pressure that artists feel and we don't always realize that as casual listeners that's something I've come to really appreciate um, starting with my own songwriting but mostly just working with other artists and the conversations I have with them day in and day out there's a real interesting push and pull there of I'm doing this thing and I I feel like I can't help but do it like I need to do this because it's what's meaningful to me you know I can't put it down but it's also terrifying because I'm making a statement here I'm, I'm saying something about who I am and I'm presenting that to the world and I'm losing my train of thought here a little bit, but I love the existential questions of that. Like, how do I come alongside that? How do I make you feel comfortable? Comfortable, yeah. How do I how do I make you feel like you're able to do that kind of work of vulnerable creation 
with somebody else, let alone somebody else that's on the other side of the world and we're talking over a screen. Right. You know, so having those really deep conversations to me is the bridge point of like, how do we come into this absolutely locked into the same vision, the same passion for this? And and that even bleeds into the people that I work with because I'm, I'm really specific about, I want to work with people I can help the most and I can, the people I can help the most are the people that connect, you know, like there has to be a, a vibe between right. me and the person I'm working with because otherwise I'm going to be ineffective of, you know, helping you sculpt this thing. So there are people that come out to you and you have to say no or... Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not an incredibly common thing and it, it has nothing to do with, with talent. That can sound really like, like a jerk move or something. Right. Um, it has nothing to do with that. It's more like I want to work with people that I can really help, you know, and, and there's kind of a certain just personality connection that you have to have with an artist to be able to really help with them because otherwise the way I see it is you're just holding them back too. So I would never want to say yes to a project that I didn't feel like I could deliver on helping them realize their own vision because I'd just be holding them back from finding the person that could help them do that better. And so I do a lot of like team-based uh, working. I, I love sort of what I call the Nashville style approach, which is we get experts involved in every step of the process. You look at a record that comes out of CCM or country music in Nashville and there's like 60 names on it. And that's right. because they bring in the right guy for that project, for that song, for every single step of the process, mixing, mastering, songwriting, production, drums, guitar, whatever. It's all about bringing in the super team to help make you look like a hero as an artist. And they really know how to network. Yeah. How yeah. important is that to your career? <laughs> Especially working, well, I was going to say especially working remote, but it's really irrelevant how you do it. It's essential because, you know, in, in a creative field, it's entirely based on relationships. Right. So everything is structured around. And, and there's sort of a, a way that that's abused. I think there's, and I'm even a little bit sometimes hesitant to use the word networking because it's very impersonal and cold. It's sort of like, um, I guess the phrase is like, who, who you know is your net worth net there's your network is your net worth or something like right. that. right it's like it's, it's like almost this, transactional in yeah, a sense. yeah yeah it's like i have this list of people and i know i can call them up it's not authentic and at all yeah yeah there's a, there's a real danger in that if it's done the wrong way and i think danger just in it being ineffective too you can spend a lot of time messaging strangers and thinking you're networking but if you're not meaningfully connecting to people you know it's i'm not i'm not sure that you're going about it the right way and that's something I'm still learning. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but right. I think that's an ongoing process as creatives. And it's tough too, because we're all introverts, right? Right, so. yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, a, I'm a heavy introvert doing this. It's been wild right now. Um, but network, yeah, networking is, is a hard one for sure because you want to be authentic with somebody. However, it's, for me, it's always the question of, well, who is this person? Like, are they being authentic towards me back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, because the, the real problem or the real reality of the situation is that there are people who are sharks, sure, and leeches, and especially, ooh, excuse me, especially within the musical industry and how greedy it can be sometimes. Sure. Uh, I'm honored that that I can have people come on for free, sure, that are just like totally willing to do this, um, like you, uh, and I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> Happy to, man. But um, it's it's really hard sometimes because you'll I I will go up to a person and be like, hey, uh, like an at an open mic for example, mm -hmm. like can I play along? And they'll be like, no, because they're settled in to their own, uh, whether whether it is sometimes it's like legitimate reasons, like sure, it, it, it's a hard song, 
first off. I uh, yeah. I can sight read, but you know, when <laughs> getting into that vibe, but there's some there's some some people that are so overly all about themselves and not about the community and um and that's really dangerous yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Have you had any experiences like that? Within your I co-producing think, world? I think none that I would want to, like, flesh out That's fair. publicly. But I think that there's a, there is a danger where we can become really insulated as creatives. And, and that is sort of what we're talking about here with networking, is that danger of, of seeing people transactionally. Um, but I think it bleeds out even further than that because, and this is sort of, this is something I've experienced in the local music scene here occasionally and, you know, other places. I think it's kind of a common phenomenon. But we see the creatives around us as sort of a threat to our own success rather than the source of it. Right. Where we're, we're seeing like, Oh, he's doing really well or she's doing really well. So that means I can't do as well because they're eating up my spot. They're eating up my spotlight. We're eating up our, our opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's such a backwards way to think because the, the community that you are collectively creating as artists is indispensable and as soon as you try to do that on your own you're not creating community anymore and and you're missing out on i think a lot of the experience of what art can truly be when it's at its fullest um but you're also just missing out on sort of the the point of the whole thing you know if i want to be really blunt about it you know because music is meant to connect us together not to rip us us apart and yeah that's for sure like a gigantic thing of what i'm trying to do here is to create that community create that it's okay to uh be vulnerable with people because some people are just so against it um it's without community there truly can be no music because who's going to listen to your music yeah well it's it's a it's a music is this communal act of of co-creation in a lot of ways you know Mm -hmm. when you're up on stage with a band you're all participating in this collective act of creation and sharing it with a room full of people, you know, there's there's something about the whole thing that's very. You can't you can't remove the the communal aspect of that, or it it ceases to to be a lot of what music actually is. You know. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just lost someone right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. We've got this big window here, right? Huge so glass window. We see people walking, walking by. by. Um, so we are. Th- theological people sometimes right occasionally occasionally (laughs) there's been uh, many a night where uh noah and not i because i just wanted to sleep but noah and my past roommate have stayed up talking hours and hours about theology (laughs) uh so where do you bring your theology into your music career well i like to leave this very existential too and it's incredibly intentional because i like this i like art to swim in kind of this mystic you know mystery (laughs) in some ways but the way i see it we have like the um the the genesis 2 story and this idea of being made you know imago day in in the image of the creator and we see that word image as a noun and you know we we sort of read it that way in english Mm -hmm. but when we really break it down it acts more as a verb it's more of imager it's it's a, a purpose you know, imager is also a noun. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> no, early in the morning. I haven't taken a test in a while. But um, to image is sort of a um, a purpose. And that which we are imaging is re- eternally relational, you know, communal and creative. 
And so I see the act of making music as a participation in something that is already ongoing around me, you know, and, and I'm, I'm experiencing that in, in greater depth when I'm, I'm choosing to not just kind of stand by the sidelines, but also participate in it with other people. Here's a kind of a related question. So I've been having a lot of conversations with uh, this one particular person. I won't uh, say him publicly. However, he is very conservative in his beliefs, um, as you know, many are around here. Um, and he was talking about uh, music creation, right? Mm. And the he only accepts musical creation uh, within the Psalms. Like you have to use the Psalms in scripture okay, uh, and create music solely based off that anything else he goes as far as to say is blasphemy. Okay. What are your thoughts? It's a loaded question for sure. That's definitely a loaded question. Um, and I'm not saying either way is right. Sure. Um, I think that to put a an end date on the act of co-creation is to miss out on something fundamental about who we are as human beings and what we can be. That's how I would answer that question. That's fair. Because <laughs> all, all of my, uh, like, because then the question pops up of Amazing Grace. Okay. Like that song. If, have you ever heard the story behind that song? Sure. Uh, you know it? Yeah. So for those of you who don't, uh, the, crea- the writer of that song was a slave trader. And he goes through this incredible journey of finding God and... Uh, realizing that he is just a wretched sinner uh, as the song states and he creates this wonderful song that has changed so many lives i can uh think of so many artists that have made the rebound based on just like aretha franklin made her rebound with her uh with her gospel album i'm forgetting i think it's called amazing grace (laughs) but uh there's so much power in different theological songs, and I feel like we're missing out if we just constrain it to the Psalms. I would agree with that. We're, we we stop telling the story in new and creative ways. Right. Besides, Psalms, Psalms are hard to understand as they are. Getting them into a traditional song as in like a pop song, near near impossible the, with the way that, because uh, it's Hebrew poetry. That doesn't translate sure. to English pop. <laughs> right. But I would say, though, I think that there's something beautiful o- about always returning to something that's that's within our tradition and our heritage and pulling from that. And I think that's sort of what you're referring to with the Amazing Grace mm-hmm. song. But even then, you know, uh, that song is constantly being reimagined and reinterpreted. And so sure. we're not. This isn't a, a final act of creation. We're still participating in reinventing and recreating that. And I think even you just get up on a stage and you play a song and you never play it the same way twice Absolutely. because you're always recreating from what you've already created. You know, there's music doesn't have an, a, a final end date. It's not um, it's not always about arriving somewhere as it is just enjoying the, the ongoing eternal journey and process of bringing things into existence. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've played House of the Rising Sun and it's never... <laughs> As, as a gigging musician, and it's never, ever the same. Sometimes I mess up. There are plenty of times where I mess up. Sometimes there's an extra violin. Sometimes yep. there's an extra bass. Sometimes nobody plays that song the same way nobody. either. It's really funny. It is really funny. It is so – I have gotten in such the habit. I play with a local cat named uh, Cody Kilburn, and 
he i love the way he plays it he's okay. he does a uh, verse and then solo section verse solo section because there's 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 not really there's, re- no there's chorus, not really right? a chorus right yeah. it's just kind of uh verses mm-hmm. and i love the way because it's so much soulful when mm-hmm. you do it that way because it just gives time to imagine the lyrics of yeah. the song which is a really heartfelt uh almost tragic song yeah how do you with that how do you turn lyrics into music Ooh. That is a really cool question. I'm gonna have to think about that for a second. That's okay. I'll tell you how I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, go, go for it. Think go about for it. it. Um, so I have trouble with the lyrics a lot. I'm much more a of a music composer than I am a songwriter. Sure. In all sorts of ways. Uh, and I love accompanying lyrics with music that just makes you feel it. And I'm also a really big fan of uh soundtracks. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So and that's that's really what a soundtrack is. It's it's making the cinema moment because imagine how to train your dragon without like the music in that. Yeah. It's it's almost laughable at some points. Yeah. And, and it's almost like what are we doing? What what's moving this this is just cuz if you didn't know the director's actually intentionally made space for music for yeah. that. Yeah. Uh so I love accompanying lyrics and sometimes just letting it Letting it just be music, because at some points, like the the rules for musical theater is when it becomes uh, too emotional for for dialogue, you sing. When mm-hmm. it comes too emotional for singing, you dance. Um, that those are the rules for musical theater. I, th- I love that. Yes. Uh, and so the the rules for like song composition, I feel like, are if when when it's emotion, you sing it. When it's too much emotion to sing, you just rip out on the music. Yeah, and that's what really just pulls you in and makes you feel things that you would have never felt otherwise. And that's a Jimi Hendrix guitar solo. It's a, it's a <laughs> Jimi Hendrix guitar, literally a guitar solo. That's the Bohemian Rhapsody guitar. That's yeah. every single guitar solo yeah. that's ever been written. Well, I think that that's a really interesting way to frame it too. And the more I'm thinking about that question, when I'm working with an artist, and and sometimes I don't do too much on the songwriting end of things, but occasionally I'll pick up a project that involves the songwriting, and sometimes they'll bring me lyrics, and they they won't have any melody yet; it'll just be lyrics. Mm-hmm. And um, part of interpreting that, I think there's layers to interpreting that process. But the one thing I really like to focus on is digging deep into, and again, existential, because that's just how I liked going about this, like. Digging deep into what those lyrics mean to you as a person, why you wrote them, the kind of significance they have to you day to day. What were you feeling when you wrote them? What what are you feeling now when you read them back? You know, getting really deep into the experience that's being created with that art and then figuring out how do we replicate that with the the packaging, you know, with the music that we're we're, we're using as the facilitator to communicate this thing that you've written. And so you know that can that can break down even further into genre or like what kind of instrument mm-hmm. like what what kind of instrument would be best to communicate this emotion because sometimes it's like we just need a piano or I've I've heard songs that and this is going to sound ridiculous but I've heard songs that just wouldn't sound better on any instrument than a banjo and oh, like emotional deep yeah. emotional folk songs and it's like if you did it out on acoustic guitar it'd be nice but the banjo the sold me you know like yeah. and so finding those those bridge points like how can we best communicate this vision with very, very intentional decisions in the arrangement and the production, pr- 
process to make people feel something. And then, uh, and, and these are the kind of questions I ask artists when I'm working with them is like, how does it change between verse one and, and chorus one or chorus one in the bridge? Like what, what kind of emotional journey, if we think of a song like a movie where there's, there's high points and low points, mm -hmm. there's points of tension and points of, you know, release. release and there's this whole like journey. There's a story we take people through and a song is kind of the same way you're exactly taking people through way. this story yeah. and figuring out, okay, like what am I supposed to be feeling in the verse? And is, is the chorus supposed to be like driving that feeling harder or is it supposed to be like, pushing again am I supposed to feel something different here mm -hmm. or like and so kind of creating an emotional journey in the music that directly reflects the emotional journey in the lyrics that have been written and that looks totally different song to song but I think a lot of times we're afraid as creatives to ask those really scary questions to ourselves and dig deep but that's where the best art comes out of when yeah, it's the most vulnerable part of us and so drawing that out when you're in a rut I think can be really, really helpful in that process. And a lot of that can help with like writer's block too. Yeah. Cause yeah. then you get to the nitty gritty of like, what is a song? Cause that can, that can make or break a song. Yeah. Um, it's instrumental part of the pun, but that's like the only word that comes <laughs> to my, my mind but that, yeah, right. Yeah. That, uh, that comes to writing a song is getting the feeling right. Like even the effects you have on the voice, are you going to add reverb or is right. it just going to be yeah. uh, deadpan? Are you going to add a little bit of auto tune, like a little distortion mm -hmm. to the voice? Are you going to have what kind of electric guitar? There's a million and five different <laughs> guitars you can have. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's not an exaggeration. Uh, there's a million different sounds like sound design you can mm -hmm. put in too. I was, I've been listening to, Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood, I just think is is awesome. Oh yeah, but uh, I'm a huge fan. Right, I was listening to her, some of her older songs because they have they were also really influential to me. I, I used to be a gigantic country fan. That's uh, awesome. Me not, too. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. not so much anymore. However, but that that point aside, uh, I was listening to. Oh, what was it called? It wasn't Undo It. It was uh, I don't I don't our last name. I don't know my last name. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's it, a good tune. Yeah. Um, there's so much more sound design mm -hmm. rather than like actual instruments. And I know for a fact that Carrie Underwood likes to play with actual instruments because that's that's part of the country thing. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was I was listening to it and I was like, without this sound design, because there's no way you could get this possible, uh, like the bass sound and the whoosh, the yeah. whooshing sounds that sure. you could get without um. All these, all these different, all these uh, different instruments. There's no way you can get that without possible sound design, but it makes it so much more visceral. Yeah, and you can feel, you can feel the confusion that she has because she doesn't know her own last name because she's been out partying. Uh, how do you balance? Because there's always too much that you can put in. <laughs> how, how do you? Because some, some parts of music, I'll just. Uh, add whatever I feel like would fit. And there's a certain attachment you have when you write something. Mm -hmm. How yeah. do you know when to let something go and try again? Ooh. I think that as artists, we're often dragged kicking and screaming into that decision. That That is absolutely <laughs> 100% true. Every single time yeah. uh, when I have my composition lessons at school, my uh, teacher, Bruce Gerlach, would be like, you gotta get rid of something here. Yeah, you gotta make something new. You gotta unify yeah. the piece, which and is oh I'm, no, I'm sorry. No, go yeah, ahead. which is is tricky. And and I 
there's layers of that for me because as a producer, you know, when I'm primarily working with other people's music, my job is to interpret their vision. And sometimes mm -hmm. I get going on a project and I start writing all these parts that I absolutely fall in love with. And, and that's the weird thing about production is that it's not my song. It'll never be my song, but right. I, I, it starts to feel like my baby at a certain point because I'm pouring all this work into it. And at a certain point, you know, I can add all these layers and be just in love with what I did. But then sometimes the artist will come back and say, that's, you know, we, we lost vision here for a moment. Like, that's not what I was going for. We need to try this. And, you know, for me, it's my job to say, okay, and then chase after that thing. And it can be heartbreaking sometimes, you know, because like now I have this attachment and the same way as an artist, you know, I, I have, I work with people that I call it demoitis, where <laughs> you get so attached to the sound of, you know, maybe, maybe it's just a voice note that you left in your phone or, or maybe it's a, something that you wrote that is actually in tension with your vision for the song. Like you have conflicting visions in your mind uh, and like yeah. where you want the song to go and what you want it to do and to be is in conflict with where it's at now. But there's something about just the, there's something possessive about where it's at now because it has so much significance to you, so much meaning. You've been sitting with it in that place for long enough that it's hard to let go of that. And I think that that's like an eternal struggle for creatives. How do we balance our own like never ending conflicting internal emotions, you know? And it's, it's tricky. I think that there's definitely a, a, a nuance to that because there are some times when it's right to like I even think about it you know there are songs that I love listening to that are completely unfinished that were just released as a demo right. because it just sounded better unfinished there's something about that that fit the, the messaging and the purpose of the song in a distinct way and you know then there are other songs where we just have to push through that tension just a little bit to get to the other side and then we realize like oh my gosh you were so right. Like this is where it needed to go. I'm always being humbled by that as a as a producer and a mix engineer because I latch onto something, and then you know I, there are those moments where they say that's not it. That's not what we're shooting for. And then I do the thing that they're saying, and I'm like, okay, if you say so. And then I'm right. like, oh my gosh, it's so much better. You know. So there's like there's like a tension there. It's there's mm -hmm. not always a right answer for that, but we're always dealing with that as creatives. I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah. One one uh. In one class I had, electric, electronic composition, uh, one of our assignments was to grab one of the one of the students in the songwriting class and then collaborate on a project together. Nice. And that was a lot of fun. Um, do you remember Noah Reber? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I got one of his songs, and he writes the most amazing songs. Um, but I had a completely different vision uh, than what he had, and... There was I still kind of regret it to this day because it it was a really good opportunity for learning, um, but now that I look back on it, I because I kind of I did what you said I kind of took I had never done it before and yeah. I kind of took over the project and right. was like no no this is mine now, <laughs> um, but it, it's not it, it it's it's to some to some effect it was ours but um, because he he only had like the chords and nothing else thought sure. about it. More of a um, collaboration, more, more of like yeah. a legitimate collaboration. Um, but having that healthy push and pull was something I didn't have down at that point, and um, and that's part of the learning curve for sure. Yeah. Now I would happily go back with him and enact his vision, um, 
he wanted more of a worship set, but his his song spoke to me as more of like an orchestral set because yeah. of just the, the the raw feeling it had. However, I I had written a song called "You Remain," and right now it's I wrote it as like an orchestral set, but for my senior recital, I put it on as a worship set, and oh my goodness, did that worship set! It was like the highlight of my recital. People were <laughs> shouting and and like and screaming and and uh and the happiness and like just the amount of joy and um granted that comes part partly due to the performers that were insanely awesome sure like matt cross on drums you can't oh, get any better than that we love some matt cross on drums uh matt cross is a friend of ours if you have no idea who matt cross is that's totally fine we'll have him some, some, yeah. at some point hire, hire matt cross a drum on absolutely everything you ever need yes. and he'll never be disappointed about never it. be disappointed um so we're ending. We're coming closer to our to the end of our time on the radio. However, we will still be going live on Facebook. So if you want to look up the story at on Facebook, uh, you can follow us and continue. We will we will, uh, we will continue the conversation on there. Uh, so wrapping up our time on the radio, you had said you had worked. You would co-produce, obviously. Uh, what are some of your top experiences co-producing? Ooh. So it's been kind of this ongoing process of realization of just what's possible. Um, and, and I don't say what's possible in the sense of like what I'm capable of, but more just like where technology has gone that creators are able to do these awesome things. Because I, I really started pushing into the remote you know, aspect of production maybe two years ago, max now. Um, and we were kind of in an interesting situation co- in the world happened. when, you know, everybody was already stuck at home and there wasn't a lot of other options. And so I was kind of left at this place like, well, what do I what do I do now? Like, I can't record with people. And so. Realizing that it's and that's that's when it sort of started popping up that like, oh, you know, maybe I can work with somebody in another state and just have them record at their house and we'll get on a Zoom. And we'll collaborate. And I think that for me. The like the the big moments for that were just like a bunch of little moments um that was a very convoluted way to say that but like you're talking realizing about your, what's possible yeah yeah, yeah. And, and just like oh my gosh we can do this and it can be really awesome you know I, I worked with an artist that reached out from california that i had never met that i didn't you know didn't know who they were and they're just like hey i saw your instagram i like the stuff you're producing because i was posting little clips of it there um i want to work together and I was like, okay, now I need a system for this because I don't know what right. I'm doing. And I just kind of had to figure it out as I went and asked a bunch of peers in the industry that had been doing it longer and they gave me some tips. And since then, it's just the past two years have been like one moment after another that like, oh, this is really cool. Like as creatives now, the limitations are just being shattered. Like, you know, it, it was cool because we can do home studio recording. We don't have to, we don't have to to go to you know the studio in Nashville to make a record now we can make it in our bedroom that right. was like step one that so was like nice. that's awesome yeah. and then step two is like yeah and then we can do that with people in Greece <laughs> right, <laughs> you right, know? right right and right. there's no limitations like we can get on this I can the way I do it is I'll share my screen on a Zoom call so they can actually see my session and see me at the same time producing they get a, a link for this program called Audio Movers which streams like full quality real time audio to them wherever they're at well, that's and cool. it's it's literally feels like we're just sitting on in the same room together, you know, like they're just on the couch in the studio and we're making a record. And it's just wildly exciting to me that 
that's possible now because it goes back to that thing that we talked about how creativity is this communal thing and now that community is is bigger than our local community it's global in the sense Mm -hmm. of these things that are possible so that's uh that's kind of what excites me about it at this point that's that's cool so we had uh we had mentioned that you got in touch with american idol star uh i forgot her name already martin michelle martin michelle yeah yeah. how was that how'd that happen that's another one of those weird networking things so i'm i mixed a project for her i'm actually currently working on another right now and um we didn't connect directly and this is the interesting thing when networking is actually relational the the Mm kind of cool things that happen because most of the work that i've gotten that i've been really excited about that I've really loved have been just through a friendship that turned into something really cool a couple years down the road that was just purely a, a friendship, you know, before then. So I had a friend in who was a producer in California. Um, they're currently in North Carolina now. Um, but Marno was one of their clients, uh, someone that they were producing. And um, through my relationship with them, it was like, I need somebody to mix this project. Can you do it? And it turned out to be a really cool situation. And that's been my experience with most of, I'm being redundant here, but most of the things I've done that I get really excited about have just come from like building long-term friendships with people and then weird stuff pops up when people know, like, and trust you. And so that's that's kind of what I'm moving towards now and what I encourage other people to move towards is like, it's tough as creatives, but just make friends with people. Right, and that's that's another thing for sure is that you'll get referred more often if you have like legitimate relationships with other people. Like you can tell when someone's being plastic. Yeah. Um, especially on the internet. Especially it's so much more important when you're working remotely. Right. And another comp, uh, another, what's a, what's a word for that? Another angle, I guess on that yeah. is that, um, you should, cause there's whole, this whole different, now that we're like on an online society, yeah. you have to make that, uh, distinction between like texting and then like calling yeah because there's so much more uh connectivity when mm-hmm. you are actually talking to someone like over Absolutely. the phone or something versus text there's so much right. stuff that can get lost through text yeah. like meaning uh sorry sarcasm for one sure um you know it, and it can become a disaster really quickly uh so to make and Another aspect is it that you want to support your people. You want to make sure you yeah. go out to their events. You make sure you want to mention their events. Um, we're gonna get, our, we're gonna wrap up soon. So I'm gonna, I want to ask you about some of the events that you might have or some drops that are coming out soon and uh, cool. where they can find you. Cool. Yeah. So if you're interested in hearing a little bit more of my work and and more about what I do, you have questions about it. I'm always happy to have more conversations about this stuff. I love it. Um, you can find me at www.noahaltoff.com. That's A-L-T-H-O-F-F. Or my Instagram profile is Noah Altoff Music. And uh, you can just send me a DM there too. And let's be friends, right? If you're a musician in the area, let's connect because that's what it's all about. That's what it's so, all about. That's what, yeah. that's what this podcast is all about is getting people connected and yeah. creating something bigger, creating a bigger local economy. Because let's be real, every artist needs money sure. to to do art um so that's it's kind of kind of funny but it's yeah. also really really true uh are is anything dropping soon for you like any art or like any music or 
not for personal projects, no, but I've got a, a bunch of releases coming out soon for artists that I'm working with. One that I'm really excited about is with uh, this band, The Breakplants, which is a pop rock band from New Jersey. They're putting out a single called Y.O.U. that's coming out on Friday of next week. Um, and you can check that out on Spotify, all that. Or if you follow me on Instagram, I'll definitely be posting about it there. Awesome. So right now we're going we're gonna to listen to something that you have put together. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to introduce this piece? Yeah, yeah, sure. So this is a song that it felt appropriate for the medium. And um, just because I'm excited about the work that I'm, I get to do, too, with some of the local community here. Um, this is a project with a church uh, called Encounter in Palmyra. And it's kind of a work in progress still. And so I thought that was appropriate for the conversations we're having about production and what all that looks like. Um, this is something I've produced for them that will be officially released here in about the next month. But I got permission from them to share it a little early. Um, and you'll get a little bit of sense of, of hearing it as it develops. If you listen to it now and you listen to it when it comes out, it's going to be a little bit different because we're still in process. And that's part of the fun of it. So this song is called Jesus.
I'm going to share one more track that I've worked on recently I'm super excited about. This is an artist from San Diego area, California, that I um, did remote work with about a year and a half ago, kind of at the beginning of COVID. It's called Stand By You, and it's by One Way Will. Hope will help you think this through. Yes, I know it seems crazy too. But you know what is best for you. So I will stay. To be happy 
Stand by you by One Way Will. Awesome. Well, Noah, it is. Um, we're going to continue, but our time for the radio is up. Where can they find you? Uh, NoahAltoff.com or uh, Noah Altoff Music is my Instagram, too. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening on the radio. It is time to turn back the music.